This is the Cheyenne Roundup, a weekly look at the action inside the general session of the 67th Wyoming Legislature from Wyoming Public Media and Wyofile. I'm Caitlin Tan. I cover energy and natural resources for Wyoming Public Media. Uh, I'm Mike Koshmerl. I report with Wildfile on state politics and uh, other issues. And I'm Maggie Mullen. I also cover politics and government for Wildfile. Now, lawmakers are headed into week four, and there's been close to 500 pieces of legislation introduced. That number shouldn't climb too much more. Last Thursday was the deadline for legislation to be introduced in the Senate, and Tuesday is the deadline in the House. We'll watch to see how many bills squeak in before the cutoff, but so far the amount of legislation is pretty typical of what we've seen in recent general sessions. Mike and Maggie, you're covering the session from Cheyenne. Does that number surprise you with so many brand new lawmakers? You know, there there definitely was a lot of talk around the Capitol about just how many bills we'd see. There was a lot of buzz. Um, you know, people were sort of like hitting the refresh on the Wyoming legislative website kind of constantly. And some of that was out of concern for the process, right? We have a lot of new lawmakers. There's a lot of business to get through. Um, but a lot of those bills have landed, but they haven't been debated yet. Um, We are seeing hot button bills, you know, like the proposal to use state funds to help build a border wall in Texas, which, Mike, I I know you've been following. Yeah, you heard that right. There is a bill moving through the legislature that would route $5.25 million uh, from Wyoming's rainy day fund to the governor's office. Uh, From there, it would go to states uh, like Arizona, Florida, Texas, Uh, primarily to be used for constructing a permanent border wall. Uh, One provision uh, of that bill, which, by the way, is Senate File 166, is that it uh, allocates $250,000 to Texas and Arizona so they can bus undocumented people to unspecified sanctuary cities in other states. You might be hearing this and think that Wyoming's been caught up in Steve Bannon's fraud scheme. Uh, That's not quite the case, but there is no clear connection to Wyoming. Uh, And critics might describe this type of legislation as uh, xenophobic, which is to say it's bigoted and prejudiced against foreigners. Uh, Senator Larry Hicks from BAGS cited the fentanyl crisis when he introduced the bill to the Senate Appropriations Committee last week. But Hicks did not really cite any evidence that fentanyl killing Wyoming residents is coming from Mexican immigrants. Uh, The bill did pass through that committee three to two uh, after legal counsel for uh, Governor Mark Gordon also pledged to support it. Um, Notably, Senator Mike Garou from Jackson and Tara Nethercott from Cheyenne uh, both had some strong words. We're going to be paying for the plane tickets, the bus tickets. For all of these people to travel across the United States to other sanctuary cities or states, I'll be fighting for $22 million for a Laramie County school. And I'm being asked to appropriate over $5 million for bus tickets. Uh, There are also two bills that would restrict uh, foreign businesses, governments, and individuals from owning land in Wyoming uh, that cleared the first hurdle. They passed through the House Agriculture State and Public Lands and Water Committee last week, uh, a representative from Buffalo, Barry Crago, uh, who's an attorney, voted against both of those bills, and he warned fellow members they appear to be unconstitutional. 
Uh, still, both measures are very much alive. Uh, some of these bills might feel like a solution in search of a problem, uh, but that's not always the case, of course, with uh, legislation. Uh, lawmakers are also working to address some real challenges facing Wyoming communities. Maggie, what, what have you heard on that front? Yeah, you know, I think property tax relief is actually a really good example of that. You know, it's an indisputable fact that that cost has risen for a lot of Wyoming residents. And, you know, lawmakers have said that constituents have, you know, made it loud and clear that they want to see the legislature do something about this. And a lot of those constituents, of course, live where you do, Mike, in Teton County. I mean, what's that sort of looked like there? Uh, especially for people on fixed incomes, it's a, a great challenge. The cost of real estate in Teton County has absolutely skyrocketed. And I think that just a bigger and bigger and bigger bite of people's budgets uh, is being uh, eaten up uh, by just having to square up on their property taxes every year. It's it's a real challenge. And, you know, right now there are, you know, some 20 bills intended to bring that cost down for residents, which you know, does tell us this is a priority for a lot of lawmakers. Um, you know, that tall stack of property relief bills, it hasn't started to really thin out yet. In fact, I think only one of those bills has died so far. The others remain in play. And they do really vary on how they go about providing relief. You know, some are sort of more situated in the long term because they would require a, a constitutional change, which, of course, would ultimately be up to voters. You know, others are more immediate or direct, you know, like some of these bills that involve the property tax refund program that that program is already in place. So there's a bill, for example, to change the income requirements for that program. The idea being, you know, to make it more available to residents. And, you know, there's also several proposals to increase the appropriations to that program. But, you know, like I said, there are so many bills still in play re related to that. So there's not really consensus yet about what is the right path. I will say that a, a distinction does appear to be forming between lawmakers that think if the legislature is going to go about taking action to reduce property taxes that, you know, they also need to think about backfill because property taxes fund local governments, they fund education. So you have those lawmakers on one hand. On the other hand, you know, there are some lawmakers that would just rather outright lower those taxes now and address that revenue shortfall that could come out of that down the road in a separate conversation. You know, I think that distinction was really clear on the Senate side last week when that chamber was discussing Senate File 136. That's a bill that Senator Bo Beitman brought, which would lower the tax class that includes residential properties from 9.5% to 7.5%. Senator Jim Anderson, he brought an amendment to add backfill. And, you know, it was a heated debate. The bringer of the bill did not like that amendment. And the debate was really about kind of the nature of Wyoming's volatile revenue streams and how the legislature has handled that. Um, so the, the amendment died, but I do think we will see that very debate sort of play out again and again as, you know, lawmakers keep chipping away at property tax relief here in Cheyenne. Caitlin, you know, you're you're up in Pinedale covering the session remotely. I mean, what, what are you keeping your eye on? Yeah, you know, I was particularly interested in House Bill 123. It potentially could affect a lot of people in my region, western and southern Wyoming. It has to do with shed hunting season. 
Um, basically, this bill would move the start date for non-residents three days later. So basically, residents could still hunt for antlers on May 1st at 6 a.m., but non-residents would have to wait three more days. And, you know, House Speaker Albert Summers, right here from Pinedale, he spoke in favor of the bill, um, you know, saying that there's hordes of people on opening day and they want to see that number reduced a little uh, to cause less stress on the wildlife. Mike, I know you're over in Jackson and there's a lot of people that go out on opening day. What, what does that look like? Yeah, right outside the National Elk Refuge, which is kind of the largest winter congregation area for elk in Wyoming, there is a veritable parade of vehicles uh, that kind of snake their way down the refuge road. And they're, it's full mostly of non-residents. Uh, if I were to take a guess, I would say 70 to 80 percent come from out of state. These are usually men uh, and they have a lot of uh, equipment and horses and uh, head for the hills. Uh, on May 1st every year. Residents, especially people who have been in Jackson for a really long time and remember a day where there wasn't that competition, they're pretty jaded about uh, having to share that resource uh, with people from uh, around the West and country. And so I think that the legislation we're seeing is born from frustrated locals, really. There might be additional benefits to wildlife from not having quite as many people out there, but I think uh, there will still be large crowds of Wyoming residents were this bill to become law, Caitlin. I, get, I definitely get the feeling a lot of residents would be excited about this bill if it passes. There was a little concern from some people who spoke during public comment in the committee meeting. Uh, Jess Johnson with the Wyoming Wildlife Federation was a little concerned about how are we going to differentiate between resident and non-resident if someone's just out walking around using public land. So she spoke a little bit about that. Is it somebody out walking their dog? Is it somebody out horseback riding? Or are they in the act of shed hunting at that point? How do you tell the difference? Do we go up and ask everybody for driver's license? I can tell you I certainly don't carry that when I'm on my horse. Ultimately, the bill passed unanimously and it's waiting to be introduced onto the House floor this week. Mike and Maggie, before we wrap up, Tell us briefly one thing you're keeping an eye on this week. What I'll be keeping an eye on is the fact that it is budget week. Now, I've been told by some lawmakers and other longtime fixtures of the Capitol that uh, I should actually think about this as chaos week because there are simply going to be a lot of movie parts and lawmakers will have a lot to juggle because, you know, they still have the usual business of the general session. You know, lawmakers still have these deadlines like, you know, Friday is the last day for bills to be reported out of committee in the House of Origin. So Senate files out of Senate committees, House bills out of House committees. And it's likely that a bunch of bills, you know, they simply won't make the cut. That's kind of up to the committee chair to decide. But this week, on top of that business, lawmakers are tasked with tackling the supplemental budget. So this is not to be confused with the budget budget or, you know, the biennial budget from last session that is, you know, keeping the government's lights on and the wheels turning as we speak. This is the supplemental budget. So, you know, during these odd years between budget sessions, the governor and the legislature can update the budget. And it's sort of meant to be those requests that are, uh, 
an emergency in nature, you know, things that can't be postponed until the next budget session. So logistically, both chambers will work on this budget bill. For example, Monday, Tuesday is first reading. Wednesday is second reading. Friday is a third reading. Then the two chambers will come together through their, you know, respective appropriations committees to you know, sort, sort of iron out where they disagree. Now, a hint of what may be to come uh, appeared in an op-ed last week that Senator Dave Kinsky, who's the Senate Appropriations Chair, wrote. Um, you know, he's really uh, disappointed that the full legislature, in his eyes, you know, can't, quote, rein in uh, excess spending. And he actually wrote in this op-ed that, you know, if they can't rein that in and the legislature won't put money into long-term savings that, you know, he said, perhaps no budget would be the best outcome for this session. So I'm very eager to see what that conversation looks like. Well, Maggie, Mike, thanks so much for joining us and for your time and insights this week. Thank you, Caitlin. Thanks, Caitlin. And thanks for listening to the Cheyenne Roundup, your weekly look at the action at the Wyoming State House during the 2023 legislative session from Wyoming Public Media and Wildfile. Fresh episodes drop every Monday. Till next time, keep updated on all things legislative on wyomingpublicmedia.org and wildfile.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>